Welcome to the Amp Holy Trinity, Marshall, Fox, and Fender, Part 1, a tone podcast produced for the Musician's Lab. In this podcast, Harry and Tomas are joined by amp guru and guitarist Bruce Marcolina. In their discussion of the nuances of these three amps, discover which players help to define each amp's classic sound. Let's, I mean, let's start off with the sound differences. What's the general sound difference of the Marshall, Fender, and Vox amplifier? Well, basic difference between the three amps. In a Fender, you're, you're going to hear a lot of bottom, nice chimey top, not so much mids. Mm. Marshalls, less bottom, more mids, and highs. Mm. And on the Vox, basically because of the tube used, again, less bottom, mids, and more highs, chimey-ish, they call it. Hmm. Uh, that's what I hear, and that's what I see related to circuits. Hmm. Very cool. So the, when, the, when we're talking about the Vox, the highs, in terms of the highs of the Fender and the highs of the Vox, is it a different place in the highs? Basically, a different place, primarily because of the tone stack differences and the amplitudes. Huh. That's where people start talking about the different sounds of tubes specifically related to uh, these different amps. Some people like a lot of mids and highs. Then the crunch, they're going to go for a Marshall. Mm -hmm. When you want a clean sound, you're going to choose preference between the Fender and the Vox. Mm -hmm. They both encompass uh, two different voices right. uh, created by the differences of them, but still in the same family. Okay. So when they talk about chiminess of the Vox, so like jangly stuff, it's, it's primarily focused in the high end. What about some players that we can give examples of, uh, you know, would you use a Fender or Vox or Marshall? Well, Tomas, I mean, when you think about Marshall, I mean, who hasn't used it? ACDC comes to mind, and of course, uh, Deep Purple. I mean, Richie Blackmore, come on. Here's Deep Purple from 1969. You know who's getting a killing tone out of a super reverb, man, Derek Trucks. One of my favorite guitar tones, man, it was a Fender Champ from Derek and the Dominoes, Eric Clapton, kicking it. When you think about Vox, I mean, how can you not mention Brian May? Here we go. You know, a very early Marshall recording was, uh, man, 1966. It was uh, Eric Clapton with John Mayall and the Blues Breakers. Uh, JTM 45. <laughs> 
What about uh, some history? That's always uh, perplexed me. What's the, uh, you know, where, where, where did this all start? The whole design of amplifiers. Uh, Rickenbacker created a, you know, primitive amplifier. Okay. And uh, from there, you know, just like anything, uh, once someone invents something, everyone else thinks they can make a better mousetrap. And it just progressed from there. The floodgates were open. Going to a vendor who's considered next in line. He's, uh, you know, he's a radio repair guy at the time. And mm-hmm. these frying pan amplifiers come into his shop needing repair. He sees, recognizes there may be a market there. Since his background is within electronics related to, to radio, it's not too much of a jump to turn it into an actual amplifier. Was he a guitar player, Leo Fender? Leo Fender was not a guitar player. That's which interesting. Is, which is... Uh, very amazing to me for someone without any technical knowledge and ability to play guitar how he had the ears to create the sound of his amplifiers to be universally considered one of the benchmarks of guitar playing yeah that's interesting so how about the rca tie into the whole ampli- the, the history of amplification well, Leo sees an opportunity to create a, a little business with making amplifiers, and it's not much of a jump, but at the time you looked in the RCA manual, you picked out some tubes and related circuitry to them to accomplish what you were trying to do. So mm-hmm. you go to the RCA manual, you find a, a tube that's appropriate for a preamp section, and you find a tube that's appropriate for a phase inverter and you choose a uh, amplifier tube you assemble those components in a string and you wind up with an amplifier so he did no more than anyone else did at the time so the early schematics were all coming primarily from that rca basically coming from the, the two manufacturers Wow. They're, they're saying, this is what you can do to a tube. You know, the subsequently to that, the initial components used or based on the RCA manual, uh, these guys got a little experimental and changed some different values and stuff, and it turns into, it relates to the different sounds, and, and ultimately you choose what you think is the best and make it accordingly. So huh. uh, that's that's how it works. And therein lies all the fun. Years and years of modding yes. Fender-style amplifiers to come up with a million different choices. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's as simple as that. Modification is basically just changing out some different components, voicing them an appropriate way to closer to what you want to hear. Short of, uh, you know, buying, uh, you know, five amplifiers, you're never going to get them all, but you're kind of voicing them closer to, to what you want to hear. So. It's interesting. One other history thing. Where does Gibson, because I know Gibson had an amp, where do they sit in this whole, you know? Well, well, they, they, they're they right there with Fender, basically. Um, early on, you know, they, they came up with their electric guitar based on a Charlie Christian type pickup and after that P90-ish type things. And they had to create amplifiers or wanted to make amplifiers uh, and sell them as a set, you know, buy our, buy our guitar by our amplifier you can be heard over the you know the horn band the uh, orchestra right so this so, is- so they were there they didn't they didn't get as much uh, notoriety as fender does they, historically everybody's looking you know looking back and fender pops to the top but mm. uh, gibson made some wonderful amplifiers so 
getting back to the the overall sound, and we started talking about it a um, little bit more um, technically speaking. And uh, remember that I know very little. All I know is what I like. It sounds yeah. good. I plug in. Hmm, I like that. That sounds good. All right, let's play. That's the best way to do it. Yeah. So, um, tonally, we were talking about how out, or if, I don't know if we've mentioned this yet, output tubes have a lot to do with the overall tone of the amplifier. What what was the, the difference between the Marshall Fender and the Vox output tube, and, and how does that affect the sound? Well, Fender uses six V6s, six L6s. And their voice is, uh, again, sort of uh, big, big bottom, uh, a lot of bass, not so much mids, and a nice creamy top. Hmm. Marshall chose EL34s because of their availability over there in England. And its voice is uh, not so much bass, um, a lot of mids, a lot of highs. Hmm. Uh, Fox chose to use EL84s and uh, because of the size uh, there's limitations within the design of the tube and because of that uh, there's some bottom there but uh, again mostly in the mids and highs and then related to to those tubes depending on how you use them the type of bias you use you know you can go to the next step so hmm and I'm not sure, but you guys tell me if this is true, but that the older Marshalls, they had problems with the Transformers? Well, the thing was, these crazy kids playing this rock and roll would turn the things to 10. <laughs> 11! And, and, uh, <laughs> this you know, one goes to 11. Uh, Mine I, goes to 11. <laughs> I, you know, Jim Marshall didn't expect that. Although uh, he should have had an idea when Townsend walked in his shop right. and said, hey, I need... Uh, I need eight 12-inch speaker caps. <laughs> right. You know, you know the amps right. weren't designed to withstand, you know, this flat-out assault yeah, that, right. uh, that we chose to give them. And the components they bought, you know, they're, they're starting this company on a shoestring. Right. They're going to their, you know, electronic surplus store and seeing what's available see, yeah. uh, to minimize their costs. And, you know, some uh, components were designed for military use, which is usually very robust. But if you chose one that wasn't, you never it wouldn't last as long. You, right. you didn't know until it was uh, put through its paces, so to speak. Right. It seems like the Fender uh, trans. Oh, I'm a- well, maybe I'm just thinking of a basement, the gigantic, you know, dirty transformer. But I, I, I don't remember hearing as many issues with old Fender transformers going. Well, as you know, there's plenty of old uh, Fender amplifiers still kicking. Yeah. It's a testament to uh, Leo. From his background as a repair person, he made this thing uh, to last a lifetime and over-designed as much as he could. And uh, I would say did a very good job because of all the ones that are still still around. Yeah. Even if they do die, they're very easy to get back and running. Short of abuse, short of abuse, right. uh, they last forever. So Fender, in, in terms of the three amps that we're talking about, Fender, Marshall, and Vox, Fender predates Marshall as well as Vox. Yes, yes they do. And when, it, when did Vox? Is it Vox a, a 50s? Chronological order of, of how that came. It's a little foggy to me at this point, but uh, uh, they were around in the early 60s. Uh, again, I can make a better mousetrap. So Denny, I think his name was, uh, decided to make amplifiers. And, and he, too, was copying what was a common amplifier at the time. Was left, you know, at this point with uh, the reputation. Copying uh, a Fender circuit? No, not copying a Fender circuit. Or, uh, 
the amplifiers from England. Oh, okay. I don't know the actual history of that, the early history of it anyway. It's common knowledge that Marshall copied a, you know, a Fender basement. Basement, right. Was, that was, you know, that's what started him out. That was the 45, the Marshall. Uh... Uh, the, yeah, the Marshall DTM 45 is a direct ripoff of a 59 410 Tweed basement. Wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, the reason he chose that was uh, he was he had his music store was uh, importing uh, these Fenders and uh, right. he you know everyone loved it uh, the Fender basement and uh, decided you know what I can uh, I can save some money from importing these things and in turn make some money by creating these amplifiers. So I see. I see. He hires two guys to uh, look into it and they came up with the JTM forty five. Now the, now, the two amps don't sound anything alike, but it's directly related to the parts that we used. Right. But the basic circuit, the signal path, is identical. And it's a, uh, a good indication of what changing tubes means to the sound, changing transformers, uh, changing the types of resistors and capacitors, and ultimately the uh, speakers used at the end of the line, Fender has the, their four tens classic sound marshall chose the 212 at the time and that's mm. the you know everyone knows uh, the the tonal difference of uh tens versus 12 so right so that that became uh the classic marshall sound <laughs> you've been listening to part one of the amp holy trinity marshall box and fender a tone podcast produced for the Musician's Lab. Don't miss part two coming soon. Also be sure to check out all our podcasts available at www.themusicianslab.com and the iTunes store. Mm-hmm.